I realized this, this morning that, that I asked for a lot of hand raising in the service tonight. There's going to be a lot of this, and, and I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge that up front. Now, if you're from a charismatic background, you're not used to that. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to do is get you used to raising your hands. And if you're charismatic, we just don't do this enough. But just stay with me tonight. If you're sitting with the person that you are either dating are married to, I want you to raise your hand. This is not a difficult question. Okay, now with your hand raised, keep it raised, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. With your hand raised, I want you to point to the person, like who came on to who first? So point at the person, point at the person. You okay, yeah, right here. Cole, that was you? Okay, that was, I was wondering, I was wondering. Jennifer Paul? Paul, we're disagreeing right here. We actually had a fight, okay? Lauren, you guys, you and Zora disagreeing. Okay, see, right, see, that's what we do. We, we just divide families here at Second Chance. So it's, it's not a difficult question. Um, and and here's, here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. We could talk about it, like how'd you meet, but this is what I know about you. If you're, if you're dating somebody, you're married to somebody, you, you might not remember the, the, the date that you met or where, but you remember the moment. And when I say you remember the moment, you remember the moment that you saw them, and maybe they were just a friend, but you remember the moment it went from huh to hmm, right? You remember that moment. And we, life, life is pretty much made up of moments. I can't tell you what I was doing two months ago on this day, three months ago on this day, but, but I can remember moments all throughout this year and all throughout my life. I, I had a guy say this, I heard a guy say this recently, and it made so much sense that our life is not made up of years, it's just made up of moments. And, and some of those moments are amazing. Like I remember um, holding Karis. You remember the first time you held a child for the first time? You're, that, that, was a, that was a moment. Or maybe you got a job, or maybe you graduated, or maybe you got another job. You remember those moments and they just kind of stick with us. On the flip side, we remember the moments that, that aren't so good. Like you remember your first speeding ticket. I remember... My first speeding ticket was not a great moment, nor was my second, nor was my third. How many have had at least three speeding tickets? At least three, at least three, at least four, at least five. Dear God, I'm not gonna ask, okay? We had, a, we had one guy in the service this morning that I think he had the record, but, but you remember your first speeding ticket, how, how crazy that moment was? We all have moments that aren't so good, like losing a job or losing a family member or a friend or a loved one. Those are not... So good moments, but we, we remember them. Now, when I look at my journey with Jesus, I, I've got a couple dates that I do remember, but more than anything else in the world, I remember moments. I remember moments that I said yes, and I remember a few moments that I said no. And that's what we're gonna talk about tonight because I think tonight, maybe for somebody in the room or maybe for somebody watching online, tonight could possibly be a moment that you look back on and you say, that was the night that I decided to say yes to my next step and it led to a significant change in, in your life. Let's talk, let's talk about Herod and we, we started talking about the Christmas story last week and if you weren't here, I'll catch you up and if you were here, I'll still catch you up because um, you, you might've forgot because you do normal stuff and I do preacher stuff during the week. So we started out last week with the wise men they were looking at the stars, they saw a star, and they traveled to Jerusalem, and they said, hey, where's the new king? And the problem was, they asked Herod, and he had a job title, and it was 
current king. And if you're the current king, you don't want to hear about the new king. And so Herod was like, I don't know about the new king. So he called the little ascent, like Bible study together, said, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? They said Bethlehem, which was six miles away. So he pulls the wise men in and says, hey guys, y'all go check out the new king. When y'all find him, y'all come back and tell me and we'll keep it a secret. But what he was planning on doing is, is killing the wise men and killing Jesus once they found him. So they go and they find Jesus and they worship him. And then God appears to him in a dream and says, don't go back to Herod. He's kind of shady. Go back this way. And we said, you can't meet Jesus and stay the same. So they, they go off in the, in the other direction. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Check this out. So after the wise men left and before Herod finds out, watch what happens. This is crazy. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up! And that's an exclamation point. So not only is the angel interrupting his sleep, but this is so important that you've got an angel yelling at you in your dream. I don't know if you've ever had that. And if you have, just uh, see Cole after the service, all right? He would love to hear your angel story. So get up, flee to, and let's say this word on three, one, two, three, Egypt. That's very important. It's very important. Flee to Egypt. With, with the child and his mother. In other words, because if an angel appeared to me in my dream and told me, get up and run, I would just get up and run. And, and the angel's like, oh, well, make sure you take the mama and the baby, okay? Just don't take off running. Just, just take the mama and the baby. So take the child and his mother, stay there until I tell you to return, which I don't know about you, I'm gonna need some more details. How long am I gonna stay until I tell you to come back? I mean, any kind of, any kind of time frame on that, Mr. Angel person yelling at me, sir? No, no time frame. And here's why. Because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Now, if I'm a dad, got some dads in the room, and I'm probably, I'm sure there's probably some men going, oh, I'll tell you what, if Herod came to my house. <laughs> they didn't have the Second Amendment back then, just so you know. They didn't know Second Amendment, no guns, swords. I mean, it was not the way it is now. So, Verse 14 says, that night, which is insane. I would have at least like rolled back over and woke up in the morning and went, wow, I had this crazy dream. But no, Joseph, when he heard from God, he didn't even wait till the next morning. He got up immediately. He did not procrastinate. He said, that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. Thank you, Matthew. And then verse 15, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Now, this, this text is loaded, and I'm going to try to do it justice. But basically, Joseph finds out, you're not safe here. I need you to go here because something's going to happen here. That Listen, if you stay here, Joseph, you're going to die. Mary's going to die. Jesus is going to die. In other words, the work of God is going to be destroyed if you don't move. How... Where am, I, where am I going? Egypt. And Joseph's like, um, God, I don't know if you read the Old Testament or not. But there's a book called Exodus, and it's, all, it's about us, your people, the Jewish people, getting out of Egypt. Egypt is an unsafe place with some unsafe people. And, and, and that's where you want me to go? And, and God's like, yep, I want you to go to Egypt. And I want you to take Mary and Jesus with you and stay there until I tell you to come back. And, and Joseph did it. He obeyed. 
And I started thinking about, what is it? What are some things that, that prevent us from obeying God? And I just kind of started evaluating my own life and what are some things that I, I feel like have prevented me from obeying God in the past. And I don't know if anybody will relate, but we'll just talk about three reasons that maybe Joseph could have said no. The first one is comfort. It's comfort. How many of y'all enjoy a nice, hot shower? Just raise your Yeah, it's great. It's great, isn't it? It's great. It's a nice, hot shower, especially when it's cold or when you're sick. Sometimes when I'm sick, the only thing I can do, I take like 10 showers a day just, just to feel better. You feel better in that shower. But, but how many are, are married to somebody that likes to take a nice, hot shower? And if they get in that shower before you, your shower is not nice or hot. You know what I'm saying? It's uncomfortable. It's un... Oh, yeah, we're pointing. Okay, so yeah, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. And when I was growing up, it's this way in some houses now, but if you were mad at somebody, you waited till they got in the shower and you flushed the toilet because it would just like scald them. You remember that? So I love staying in that shower because it's so comfortable until all the hot water starts running out that I'm trying to get out. And this is what happens sometimes in our walk with Christ. See, if Joseph would have valued comfort, he could have been like, okay, hold on. God, we just got a house. Because Matthew told us last week that they were in a house. And, they, and that was an upgrade because they started in a barn and they wound up in a house. So we got a house. Joseph more than likely had a job. The wise men had came in and dropped some coin. They had some money in the bank. Things were looking good. And, and Joseph and Mary probably had a conversation that night going, life is so good. Life, life is so great. I'm, I don't even know what God has in plan. And that night goes, God goes, you got to go to Egypt. And I'm promise you something. They didn't want to go to Egypt. You know why? Because it was uncomfortable. Have you ever walked into an environment where it's completely uncomfortable? And this is where, this is where I get angry because Christians, oftentimes, we will fall for what I call bumper sticker theology. And bumper sticker theology, this is a statement that I've heard. Please don't amen this. This is not an amen statement. This is a that, that is stupid statement. Here, here's the statement that I've heard made so many times. The safest place to be is in the center of the will of God. It's not true. It, the best place to be is in the center of the will of God, but the safest place to be, random question, not a trick question, random question. Was Jesus in the center of the will of God when he was here on earth? Yes or no? He was crucified. Safe? No, but right place, absolutely. The, the disciples one time were hanging out with Jesus on the side of a mountain. He said, go to the other side of the lake. They got in a boat, started doing what Jesus told them to do and wound up in a storm. The safest place in the world oftentimes is not in the middle of God. In fact, sometimes when we are walking with Jesus, it doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel comfortable because if it always felt safe and comfortable, where would the need for faith even be? So Joseph got past his comfort. He said, I'm going to go to an unsafe place with unsafe people. I'm going to stay there for an indefinite amount of time. Why? He was simply saying yes to God. Now, how does that play out in modern day times? Well, 
let's kind of walk through a couple scenarios. Let's say you're at home right now watching online and you got this on and it's kind of background noise and that's what you've been doing. This is your church. I'm about to mess you up. Hey, Alexa, buy Pastor P a Christmas <laughs> present. So I just got, Alexa just went crazy. That, that, that's actually, I've actually triggered Alexa's all over the world from this stage. And you got us on as, as background noise and that's the way you've been doing church since COVID. Maybe your next step is to actually show up and attend a service. Get out of your comfort zone. Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in my comfort zone. I don't wanna do anything uncomfortable. So glad Jesus didn't say that about the cross. He's not asking you to die. He's just asking you to show up. And, so, and, and, and before we get too happy, some of us are like, yeah, get them. Maybe your comfort zone, it, and I'm just, I'm just saying, maybe it's to show up more than once a month. Oh, I like this. It's uncomfortable. Let's keep pushing in. Maybe you've been showing up every week. And, and to get out of your comfort zone would be to serve. Mm. Y'all feel that tension? See, some preachers don't like that, but I lean in when I feel it. So let's go a little bit deeper. Maybe it's time to start giving. Put Jesus first in your finances. I know what some of you are I knew it. He's going to talk about money. That's all I said. I heard somebody told me, I'm not coming to your church. I heard all you talk about is money. I'm like, yeah, I do. Less than 1% of the time. I get on stage and say, thank y'all. And people just go, they just give. I'm just saying, if, if you're in a really good pattern and a really good rhythm and God's kind of nudging you to take a step toward something that might be a little bit uncomfortable, I would lean into that. Because Jesus didn't die and say, take up your mattress. He said, take up your cross. We good? All right, let's just move on because I got uncomfortable. Second is doubt. How many of you, if, you're, if your boss texted you and said, I need to meet with you first thing in the morning before you start work, how many of you would freak out? Just freak out, okay? The rest of you are liars um, or you're the boss. I don't know about you, but I've got what you, I, like when I was a kid, I was always in trouble. So I've got this guilty complex. So if somebody says, I need to meet with you, I'm assuming that I've done something wrong or something bad and I just start apologizing no matter what. I can remember being in college and I'm not, I'm not smart. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, I made bad grades. I made a 790 on my SAT. I am not a smart person. So me getting into college is a modern day miracle. And I went to Anderson College. Now let me pause because I don't want anybody to come up to me in the lobby and say, it's not Anderson College anymore. It's Anderson University. I'm sorry. The degree I paid for says Anderson College on it. I paid $40,000 for that degree. And by the way, the government did not help me pay for my college degree. I paid for it myself. So if Anderson people want me to start saying Anderson University rather than Anderson College, then y'all know where I'm at. Give me a new degree. Let's go. So Anderson, I went to Anderson College and I had to maintain a 3.0 GPA to keep my scholarships. And it was toward the end of the semester. I got a phone call from the dean of students. He said, I need to see you in my office immediately. And I started sweating because Listen, y'all, this was pre-internet when you couldn't go online and check out your grades. That's, that's why I'm alive, because if my parents would have had the ability to go online and check out my grades, I wouldn't be here. So I, I walked to his office, and the whole way into in, his office, I'm, 
I'm thinking about all the different ways I'm about to get kicked out of college. And I sit down, I look at this guy and he goes, well, you did it. I was like, I know. I had no idea what I did. I'm just kind of trying to play along. And, I, and he just kind of stared at me. I said, what, what did I do? He said, you, you earned another scholarship. And I just, I remember I, I started crying because I, I didn't, like I was broke and earning another scholarship. But it, it blows my mind that anytime somebody in authority says, I got something to tell you, or I got something for you, we automatically think it's bad. And we do the same thing with God. We do the same thing. God has a plan for you. Like, well, it must suck. I've had people go, if I turn my life over to Jesus, he'll mess it up. And here's reality. We do that by ourselves so good. We don't need his help. Am I right? At, at the end of the day, if Joseph, because Joseph could have said, okay, okay, listen, kill a child, kill a baby. Nobody is going to try to kill a baby. And if he would have stayed there, Jesus would have been killed because of doubt. Don't let doubt talk you out of the next thing that God has planned for your life. And we'll, we'll do this sometimes. We, we, will, we will limit God's plans for our lives to our thinking. And something that God's been dealing with me about specifically this year is he been, he's been showing me that my plans for my life are too small. My plans for this church are too small. He's been showing me I can't get past Isaiah chapter 55, verses eight and nine, where he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could have ever imagined. So instead of asking him for specific things, I'm like, God, teach me your thoughts and show me your ways. Because your thoughts are bigger than mine. Your ways are better than mine. And so instead of bringing you my agenda, I'm just gonna bring you myself and say, God, what is your agenda? That's the way to take the next step. And don't doubt that something, like God wants better things for us than we want for ourselves. He goes on to say in the next verse, he said, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So pick it right back up, Matthew, this is what happens. So Matthew tells us the story. <laughs> the Bible says that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed it there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Don't miss this. God had to get Joseph, Mary, and Jesus to a place where they could get in alignment with the word of God. And when God asked us to move from point A to point B, he's trying to get us in alignment with the assignment that he has on our life. So what's the third thing that keeps us, that could keep us from saying yes to God? Well, it's flat out disobedience. And there's not a person in this room that hasn't disobeyed God at some point. Well, we don't talk about it, but I'll, I'll tell y'all, I'll tell y'all about my, I was, I, was at a, I was at a grocery store. In fact, I'll tell y'all, I was at the grocery store, Publix on 81. I was doing some shopping and I try to stay away from grocery stores because it, grocery stores and Clemson Boulevard take me backwards in my walk with Jesus every time. So I try to stay away, but I had to get some stuff and I'm in Publix. I have my little buggy with all my stuff in it, and I got behind, and I'm, I'm figuring out which line I'm supposed to get in. I'm, I'm, I get in a line, and I keep track of where I would have been in the other seven lines. I mean, I, I do that. I'm a little messed up. 
And I was, I was in the fast line. I was in the line that was going to move through. But the lady that was shopping probably knew Noah and Moses and Abraham. I mean, she, she was a little old. And, and, and she, she, when, when they rung up the groceries, she pulled out a, a folder. She was a couponer. Now, some people go, there's no judgment at Second Chance. There is for couponers. I, I, I judge couponers. I judge you so much in my heart. I do. I'm confessing it right now. And, and she had a coupon for everything. And she's like, hold on, I think I got one for that. And then when it came time to pay, she's trying to pay cash, and she's reaching in her purse, and she's pulling out change. And God spoke to me. God spoke to me. He said, pay for her groceries. I said, nope. If it had been 10 items or less, lady, I'd have paid for hers, but I'm not paying for coupon, lady. I didn't pay. I didn't. I disobeyed God. I diso- I'm telling you, he spoke to me as clear as I've ever, and I said no. She moved on, and I moved on, and when I got out to my car, listen, my tires were not flat. God did not strike me with lightning. Um, my car started, but when I sat down in my car and I started my car, I felt like I had missed out. And you know what I'm talking about. You're like, I missed, I missed out. And I told the Lord, I said, okay, God, w- by the way, watch what you tell him. I said, God, you know what? The next time you, you tell me to do something like that, I'm in, I'm gonna do it. God's got a sense of humor because I left Publix, went to Chick-fil-A, went to the drive-thru. By the way, I think the next election cycle, they should just let Chick-fil-A handle the voting because we would know who was the president in five minutes. I mean, we would, they, we would have it down. Because they confirm everything 17 times. Did you want the sandwich without a pickle? You said no pickle on the sandwich. No pickle on the sandwich. Sandwich with no pickle? Yes. I mean, so they would say, candidate A, you want candidate A? So so I go through the Chick-fil-A line. I'm moving through. And right when I got to the window, God spoke to me and said, pay for the car behind you. Now, I just missed him with coupon lady. I was like, I'm not missing this. I'm not missing this. I said, I said, I said, hey, let me, I want to get the car, I want to get the car behind me, their bill. They, I don't know, I'm just going to do like a thing. And she went, she went, okay, that'd be like um, $82. <laughs> I said, I'm not, I'm not buying into the franchise. I just want to get the, you know what, how much the car behind them? I just, I'll just get that one. I just, and, and she kind of, she kind of, she's at the, at the window and she kind of did one of these things. And I looked at my rearview mirror, and there's this mom in a van. And she was either Catholic or Mormon, because there were kids everywhere. I mean, they were, I mean they, were, they were all over the place. And she had that mom look, and if you're a mom, you'll get this. She had that mom look, like, if, if one more thing happens, I'm going to just lose it. And I was like, yeah, let me just get, I'll just get it. Just, just put it on the card. Um, and I pulled up, and I was throwing some trash away, and I saw her... I looked at my rearview mirror just to kind of see the reaction. I wanted to see the reaction. And she, she looked at the lady, she looked at me, she looked at the lady, she looked at me, and she just broke down crying. And I was like, and God was like, see, that's, you, you got the blessing. See, anytime we say yes to God, anytime we say yes to God, we, we, we get the blessing. Sometimes it's immediate, but, it, but it, it's always there. Either immediately or eventually, we will receive it. But if Joseph would have said, no, the work of God in his life would have been destroyed. And that's what happens when we consistently say no to God. 
And so disobedience, nobody, nobody here tonight, hopefully, in, ever intends to disobey, but we get in that moment, God says, I need you to take a step this direction. We say no, and, and we're the ones that, that we're the ones that kind of miss out. I don't know about you, but if God's got something for me, I don't want to miss out. Which the story continues. It says, um, Herod was furious. Herod was furious. He was what? He was furious. When he realized that the wise men, let me pause, because in the second service today, I messed this up so bad, and it was so, it was so great. I said, Herod was furious when he realized that the white men had outwitted him. <laughs> and I was like, there are no white people in this story. There no white people, just no white people in the Christmas story. And then I had to stop and acknowledge the fact that white people, white people are crazy. Like, for example, just, this is just a side note. I'm going to chase a rabbit, but just give me a minute. Have y'all, have y'all heard this week? I heard this. I couldn't believe it. It blew my mind. Because everybody's, there's always somebody that's got to make something political. And so Shark Week is apparently racist. Have y'all heard this? Shark Week is racist because they say there are no um, people of color on Shark Week and there are no non-binary and all this other stuff. And, and, they, and, they, and they're, they're trying to figure it out. And I'm like, I, I got that figured out. White people are the only people stupid enough to go swim with sharks. <laughs> That's why there's only white people. Come here, Rick, put this suit on. See if it hurts when the shark bites you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's the, that, we're, we're idiots. And so I just want to, there's no, no white people in the Christmas story. None, no white people. Herod was furious when he realized that the, that the wise men had outwitted him. Watch this. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys. Now, pause. Joseph said yes. Herod said no. And watch what he does. He was furious, had all the boys killed around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. Based on the wise man's report of the star's first appearance, Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. And this, this part of the story just reminds me that, that Christian, Christians, we, we don't have to be afraid of suffering. We can actually step into it. Suffering is a part of the Christmas story. We just don't talk about this part because it's uncomfortable. But I want to identify for you three characteristics that we see that happen to Herod that typically happen to people that say no to Jesus on a consistent basis. Number one, anger. Now, there's a difference between getting angry and being angry. There's a difference. All of us get angry. I got angry last Monday. I'll tell y'all about it. I got, I got, have you ever gotten a text sent to you that was about you, but you weren't supposed to get it? Has that ever happened? Have you ever sent somebody? Anyway, so, so I got a text about me, that I, and it was, it was long. I'm just kind of scrolling through it. I'm just kind of scrolling through it. And the more I read, the angry I got, the more I just, I was, I, I was angry. By the time I was here at the offices on Monday, I was back here. And, and I got a little office back there. And Ed, who works on staff, he walked into the room. He's like, can I talk to you for a minute? I went, no, you can't. I'm pissed. He went, okay. And he just kind of walked out of the room. 
He just, he just kind of left me because I, I'm just honest. And, and, I, and for about two minutes, I was like, and I, I was like, you know what? Uh-uh, no, Ed, get back in here. Ed, Ed, come here. He's like, Did I? you didn't do it, all right? I said, talk to me because I'm not going to let that rob my joy. I'm not going to let it rob my joy. I got angry, but I, I didn't stay angry. The Bible says Herod was furious. Herod was furious because he didn't get his way. And a lot of times, listen, we're used to like two and three-year-olds throwing temper tantrums in Walmart. But when we don't get our way, anger, like I said, there's a difference in getting angry and being angry. This is where it gets tense. Because some people in the room, you've excused your anger issues by saying, I just have a short fuse. When you say that, and it might be true, when you say, I just have a short fuse, you're acknowledging the fact that you are not where you need to be in your walk with Jesus. Because Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Anger's not mentioned at all. It's mentioned in chapter four. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Don't let your anger control you, things like that. I've heard people say, well, that's just, that's how my daddy was. Oh, so you're gonna blame that dysfunction on your father, and then one day your children will get to say that about you. Let me tell you where anger comes from. Constant anger, and listen, this is from somebody who has had to deal with anger issues to the point of before I knew Christ, I used to love to hurt people, physically hurt people. I used to love to get in fights and beat people up, and the worse I could beat them up, the better I felt because I had so much anger in me. And it's still an issue. If I'm not careful, it'll get a hold of me. I gotta, I gotta work on it. But let me tell you where anger comes from. Anger comes from misalignment because we were created to be connected with Jesus. And if this is us and this is Jesus and we're like this, we can get angry, but we won't stay angry. But when something is off and we're misaligned and we stay angry, that's an indication something's off. And we gotta quit blaming the Republicans or the Democrats or our boss or our spouse or our, you know, spouse two, spouse three, spouse four, and we got to deal with those issues ourselves. Mm. Mm-mm. That gets tense. It's like, I like it when you talk about other people. Make fun of white people again, all right? So anger, anger, anger. The second thing that happens when we say no to Jesus is next level sin. Now, I love that term, and I'm gonna go ahead and spare somebody a conversation tonight because there's always at least one or two people in the room that, that, that are heav- so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And they say, well, technically, technically all sin is the same in the sight of God. <laughs> yes, you're right. But we're not God. Sin's a little bit different to us. Would you agree? Like, for example, I'm going to tell you about a sin I committed on the way to church tonight. And before you judge me, you committed the same sin. Most of you. On the way to church tonight, there's a stretch of road where the speed limit is 35 miles an hour. When I went through this section of the road, I looked at my speedometer, I was doing 47. 47 and a 35 is technically breaking the law that was set forth by the government that we voted for to put in place to protect us. Therefore, I broke the law, I sinned because I was speeding. 
Did anybody else sin on your way to church tonight? Yes, yes, I see that hand all over the room. I see that hand, yes. And for those of you that didn't raise your hand, you've got a problem with lying. And, <laughs> and don't get angry at me because I just called you out in the previous point, okay? So, so I confess that I sinned. Nobody here tonight's going, I think we should, I think he should get fired. I think he should quit. I think he should resign right now. I don't want to speed and pastor because he is speed. The next thing we know, he's doing speed. And we just, that's how it just, just leads from one thing. I mean, nobody here is saying, man, I think you got a problem, which I, I do have a lead foot, okay? But okay, so that's, that's, that's sin on this level. But let's say I walked in tonight and, um, and I'm at the front door and, and there was a kid here and the kid, like elementary age kid, and this kid had got an early Christmas present. They got a puppy, like a golden retriever. Golden retrievers are so cute. They're just adorable little puppies, got a little puppy breath, and, and just he's kind of just all cuddled up, and the kid's holding him, and everything's good. And he just holds out the puppy to me and says, Pastor P, look at my puppy. And I just look at the puppy, and I just haul back, and I just punch the puppy right in the nose. And I don't kill it, but I knock it out. It's like all jacked up. It's like to the side, tongue hanging out. Looks like it'd be in that commercial they show every, every time this year where Sarah McLachlan's singing the song. And the jacked up dog's on the field, you know, and he's kind of on, and then we all send money to the jacked up dog, right? But I, 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 I knocked the mess out of this puppy. Everybody in this room would go, okay, punching the puppy is worth the speeding to church. Agree? Yes or no? Yes. If I punch the puppy, people are going to be like, I think he really does have a problem, right? That's what you call next level sin. For the record, I don't punch puppies. Cats? Okay, so sorry. I just had to say it. Y'all wait for it. Now, the reason, the reason I bring this up is because Herod said no. Herod said no to Jesus. Herod, Herod was six miles away. We said this last week and still wouldn't. He didn't want to call Jesus king. He had no problem with religion. He just didn't want to call somebody king. So let's say, a, let's say two or three years before this event happened, a newspaper reporter or a magazine reporter or, or, or somebody, they came in to interview Herod and they sat down with Herod and they said, Herod, um, coming to the end of like your, your legacy, what, what do you want to be known for? Like when, when people talk about you 2,000 years from now, what do you want them to say about you? Herod would have probably said, well, I, maybe my architecture because Herod pulled off some really cool architectural stuff. He had the temple built. He literally moved a mountain. It's called the Herodian. He built Masada. Um, he, he built a, a port at Caesarea. He did some incredible architectural things, or maybe it's because of his political awareness, or maybe it's his military genius. He would have probably said, he, this is what he wouldn't have said. I would like to be known as the king that murdered thousands of innocent children because of my insecurity. But that's how we know him. That's how we know Herod. The most important, one of the most important political figures in the world at that time, and today he's a footnote in the story of Jesus. And he committed, I mean, Herod, do you ever think you'll kill thousands of Boys under the age of, no, I would never do that. But here's the deal. When we say no to Jesus, we will wind up in places we thought we would never be doing things we thought we would never do. Hey, 
take it from, some, some, from somebody that's been there. So the Bible goes on to tell us when Herod died, because that's what happens when we say no to Jesus, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The, an angel of the Lord appeared to, in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up. So here's the angel. He's yelling again at Joseph. The angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. In other words, God will handle the opposition that comes our way. So the third thing that happens in our life when we say no to Jesus on a consistent basis is death. Now, I'm not, I'm not the, the pastor that tries to use scare tactics. I'm not trying to scare anyone tonight. I'm not the guy that's going, if you say no to Jesus, you're going to die and go to hell and your skin's going to fry like bacon because that just messes up bacon for me. I mean, I love bacon. And so now I'm hearing bacon, I'm thinking about my skin and it's just not good. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to just tell people that, well, let me put it this way. I had, and you probably had if you're around my age growing up, I had a car that was manufactured in hell. That's where this car came from because it was demon-possessed. It was the worst car. The only thing good about this car was I had a, it had a really good stereo system, really good stereo system. So I could take my cassette tape, hello, my cassette tape, my cassette tape, my Def Leppard cassette tape, pour some sugar on me. Hello, I tried to get the band to change that up, say, hey, instead of sugar, we could say spirit. It might work in most places. We might have to move. Anyway, so I would put, pour some sugar on me, on my cassette tape, turn it up. I love that stereo system. And I remember I was driving down the road one day and, and my car started making a noise. Now, I had a dad that could hear a noise with an engine and go, that's the alternator. And he was right. I can't even really tell you, I can guess where the engine is. I, 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 that's all I know. And so when I heard the noise, I did what most people do. I just turned the music up a little bit louder so I couldn't hear the noise. And then about you know four or five days later, there's, a, there's another noise on the other part of the engine. And I could hear it. And they were competing. So I just turned the music up louder. And then my check engine light came on. And I was like, oh, that's why God gave us duct tape. So I put some duct tape over the check engine light because if you can't see it, it's not there. And within two or three days, I had a couple more, like my, my, my dashboard looked like a Christmas tree. And then I can remember the moment. Now I do remember, I don't remember when the noise started. I don't remember when the light came on, but I do remember the moment. I remember exactly where I was in Easley, South Carolina when my car died. It just quit, like shut down, stopped running in the middle of the road. And I was mad at my car but it wasn't my car's fault. Because if I'd have paid attention to the noise, it's not like I didn't have a warning. It's not like I didn't have several warnings. It was saying no over a consistent period and ignoring the obvious that caused my car to die. And that's what happens to us spiritually if we constantly say no to God. There's a part of us that starts when it starts to die. And that's not, that's not what I want for anybody in this room, and I know it's not what Jesus wants. But, but Paul wrote in the book of Romans, it's a scary verse that don't get talked about a lot, but Paul said, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. At the end of the day, God's like, you want to have it that way? You want to blow up your life? 
love your life. And people wind up, just a part of us dies. And, and that's not what God wants for any of us. It happened, we, we've got a couple options. We can be like Joseph, who said yes, even though it was out of his comfort zone, even though he didn't know it. Listen, we don't have to understand everything to be obedient in the moment. Or we can be like Herod, who resisted Jesus and wound up at a place doing things he never thought he would do. At the end of the day, the moment happens when, when Jesus speaks so clearly to our hearts and we simply say yes. Yes, God, that's what I'll do. And let me say this, let me say this. When I was talking about the death section, like part of us die spiritually, I wanna just communicate this very clearly. If you're in this room or you're watching online, that's not you. That's not you. People that make it to that point in their spiritual journey, I can promise you they're not a church. I can, that's not you. If you're still in this room, if you're listening to this message, I want you to, I want you to listen to me. God still has a plan for your life. He still has a hope for you. He still has things that I don't, I don't know what you've done. I don't care what you've done. I know a God that's full of love and mercy and grace and wants to forgive you and make you into a brand new person. All it takes is for us going, you know what, Jesus, yes, I'll surrender. Yes, Jesus, I will re-surrender. Yes, Jesus, I will take that next step. Yes, and, and by the way, that next step is always gonna be uncomfortable, but the next step is always gonna be the right step. So Father, I just want to ask you tonight to help us get to that place where we need to be in our walk with you. God, that we would allow your word to prophesy into our life, speak so much life and hope. God, that your Holy Spirit would move, have your way. I want to acknowledge that we stand here tonight heads bowed and eyes closed maybe you just maybe tonight's your night you say yes it's that step that the Lord's been asking you to take and you can make right where you're standing right now your personal altar just tell him Jesus I'm in yes I'll take that next step Maybe your next step is to confess something that you're struggling with, to ask for help. We've got a care team here tonight that would love to meet with you, pray with you, for you. All you got to do is step out of your aisles right now and walk out the back exit doors and members of our care team are there to pray with you and serve you. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never prayed to ask Christ to come into your life. You've never asked Jesus to, to come in and you're like, you know what, tonight my step is to ask Jesus into my life. My, my step is to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, then right where you stand, I want you to pray and ask Jesus to come in your life. But we ask you to pray out loud here at Second Chance. But don't worry, don't worry. As a Second Chance family, we're going to pray this prayer with you so you can know that you're not stepping into the kingdom of God by yourself. You've got, you've got a family now. We're, we're going to walk with you and encourage you and support you. And, and so if you're here tonight you want to pray to ask Christ in your life, I want you to pray this prayer out loud at Second Chance family. Let's pray this with them together. Let's just say, Jesus Christ. I confess you as Lord and I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave 
to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I am yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, if you just prayed and asked Christ into your life, if you just prayed that prayer out loud, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to put your hand straight up in the air. I want to see you. Amen. Amen, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Hands straight. Amen. 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 Father, I want to thank you for these hands that are in the air tonight. I want to thank you for the people that have received you, Jesus. I pray that right now they would know in their heart that they've just crossed over from death to life. Right now, Jesus, they would know that their sins have been paid for. They are made brand new and they can walk out of this place in victory. Father, I want to pray for the people tonight that said yes to you, God, that we, we would walk out of this place not just knowing what our next step is, but God willing to take it, willing to do it, and willing to step into that moment of blessing and favor. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for tonight. And everybody that agrees in, amen and amen. Are you glad you came tonight? Man, me too. Y'all have a great, great week. We'll see y'all back here next Sunday.